coffee drinkers, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, bass players of the world. It is T-minus four days till the tour starts. Let's talk about how I choose, how one chooses, how we can better inform ourselves about how we choose what to take out of the house, no matter what the gig is, the tour is, how we pare it all down and travel most efficiently, whether that is from my house to the baked potato, (laughs) not really that far in the grand scheme of things, or if it's getting on a couple of different planes and starting a tour in Europe when one lives in Los Angeles. Um, quite a different experience, but a lot of parallels nonetheless. Got a couple of questions um, that I have fielded in the Telegram channel and on YouTube from my latest video. Um, I don't know why I'm out of breath. What the hell is going on? Um, Yeah, the things no one tells you about touring, the roads, dirty little secrets. That was almost a podcast episode, actually, just with the camera up. Okay, so uh, let's let's take a little poll um, or something. I think there should be a way to enable comments on the new podcast website page, which is linked. It's one of the menu options at yannickwasdala.com. So maybe we can start getting a conversation there, uh, going there specific to these episodes. So we can get that back and forth. Um, but yeah, maybe start throwing the camera up for the podcast and doing long form things for YouTube as well as the audio. Let me know who listens to this purely audio and doesn't give a monkeys about the video element and who is more of a YouTube fan and listens to podcasts and kind of checks in on them visually here and there. Uh, via YouTube. Let me know, uh, Telegram channel or on YouTube itself. But let's get to uh, these questions because they kind of pertain to um, what we're talking about. There was a question from uh, Bass Monk on uh, the latest video that went up yesterday. Go check out the video if you haven't already. It's the latest one as of today, Tuesday, August 16th, 2022. Latest one on my channel. Um, Bass Monk says, uh, what about strategies for dealing with on the road with jet lag, melatonin, diet, exercise, partying, sleeping to keep your energy high. Also, traveling with your base. So, yeah, the traveling with your base thing is very relevant to what we're talking about today. Um, number one, let's talk about, you know what? Number one, let's talk about tour dates. Got to plug these tour dates. August 22nd, London, Pizza Express, Jazz Club in Soho. It's almost sold out. On the website, it says last few tickets. I know exactly how many last few tickets there are because I get a sales report every few days. I think there are less than, the last time I looked, maybe two days ago, there are less than 20 tickets left. So if you want to see the show in London, I don't think it's going to be possible just to leave it until the night and rock up. It's the one show on the tour I really haven't had to promote that much. You guys have been phenomenal in London, and it looks like it's going to be absolutely rammed, which is a fantastic way to start off the tour. Uh, So really looking forward to that. Manchester, as I said in my video yesterday, selling super slow. I know schools aren't in session. It's like the most diabolical week of the year to be touring in terms of schools being in session and people that might be wanting to check out the music, being away for the summer, people being on holiday and people just not buying tickets up front. So that's a little bit uh, raising the blood pressure a little bit. And um, uh, and my gardener just showed up right outside the studio window with a leaf blower. So that could be interesting for uh, <laughs> the next 15 minutes or something. We soldier on. Yeah, so Manchester selling pretty slow. That is 
going to be uh, that is going to be very interesting. We'll know it's Tuesday, so that's uh, Tuesday a week from today. We'll definitely know what happened. I hope you guys are out there. I know you guys and girls are out there. I just hope it's going to line up and you guys are actually in town. Don't forget Liverpool, Sheffield, Doncaster, even Hull, Nottingham, Leeds. Uh, there are lots of places around Manchester. That's why I chose Manchester to do a gig outside of London. People like that. People just smash my my inbox. Like every time I come to the UK and don't play outside of London, everyone smashes my inbox. Says, "Dude, play a gig anywhere north of Birmingham, somewhere outside of London. You got to stop just playing London." Well, here I am, not just playing London. So uh, we really need to try and make that one work. Um, Stoller Hall. August 23rd. It's going to be a really fun show. I love the look of that room. Really looking forward to being able to fill it with some some new sounds. So, um, yeah, that's the 23rd. We get to Monaco the 24th, the 25th. Finland, where are you at, Finland? Helsinki. Need to hear from you. All those tickets are only available through my website. That's the 25th in Helsinki. And we finish out the tour at the Rhythm Festival in Viljandi in Estonia, the 26th. I'll be back on a plane 6 a.m. the next morning going home. It's short and sweet. And uh, I'll be able to give you a report in a couple of weeks as to how it went. And I'm going to make a YouTube video about that, get into detail about ticket sales and how it all went and how the experiments paid off and how the risk taking, uh, whether it worked or not, and whether I want to do more of it or where I can, you know, take more risk and and where I have to kind of back off a a little bit, you know, going to figure out a lot of things over the next uh, 10, 12 days. So stay tuned for all of that. Those are the tour dates, yannickwasdala.com. Let's get into this question from Bass Monk, traveling with the bass. How how do you do it? Um, I'd love to hear from you, everyone listening. How do you do it? Like, what's your favorite way to go? Um, I can speak from quite a bit of experience, 25 years of traveling with the instrument. And I'll say the first, let's say, ooh, 12 or so, 12, 13 years, maybe like half the time I've been touring was spent trying to carry the bass on the plane. And that was pretty much only, unless it was a huge tour and a pop thing where I was traveling with multiple bases, we'll get into that as well a little bit later. Um, unless it was that scenario, I was always traveling with one base. It was the same base. It was in the same bag. It was in a Levy's, this leather Levy's um, gig bag. They're a Canadian company. I used that gig bag until it just, it didn't disintegrate actually, just the straps. I still have it somewhere. It's a beautiful bag. It served me well. did probably a million miles or more with, with that bag and with the Federa. So I had this very singular setup, very simple. The Federa in the leather bag, always as a carry-on. I hit status, as I've talked about, on the airline pretty quickly. Um, Early on, I managed to get top-tier status, and that afforded me upgrades and being on the plane earlier, even if I wasn't flying first class, and and, and just basically being able to, you know, that feeling of seeing open overhead bins. If you've ever been on a plane and you're late to the party and you get on and there's just a thousand carry-on bags, um, and coats and laptop bags and purses and all that stuff. You're like, oh, my base is not going in these overheads. So uh, early on, I was afforded to get at least on the plane. If I wasn't flying business or first, I would at least get on the plane early, get the base in the overhead. I've talked a little bit about this before. The irony being that on those big long haul flights, uh, the overhead bins are quite often the shortest of all 
overhead bins in the entire fleet for an airline. Now, I, I know United very well because I fly them almost exclusively. And the the you know the the, the Dreamliner, the seven eighty seven, when that came out, super nice, beautiful plane, great seats, like this whole upgrade thing. And then you look up in the overhead, and you're like, oh, the base isn't going up there. No way. Overhead bins are too short. So anyway, I digress. That was the first half of my career trying to carry that on. And it just got too stressful. Um, my great friend who sadly passed a few years ago, Chuck Loeb, great guitar player. Um, uh, you know, I, I've told this story before, maybe not, maybe not that recently. We were just, we were in Narita airport in Tokyo a long time ago, maybe like 12, 13 years ago. And, uh, I looked at him I'm like, man, you've got, a, you, you, you're checking that. He's like, yeah, man, I don't want to carry this shit through the airport. So, that was the moment I was like, oh, maybe I'll try that. And now let's get into the details, details, details. What case do I use? I used the Groove Gear capsule and uh, managed to – I got it shortly before the pandemic, like January of 2020, and had a couple of things to do road-wise and pretty intense as well. Like I went to Canada to play the Drumio Drum Festival with uh, Steve Smith, File Information, and also with Benny Greb, um, Moving Parts, and uh, – and got to kind of road test it like out and back a quick trip like that Canada a few days and then I hit the road with Bob Reynolds for a few weeks and trucked all the way through Europe kind of on trains and long haul flights short hopper flights vans cars you name it and it, it held up really well you know walking back from the gig afterwards you know my biggest thing about traveling with the base was and also sorry the reason I used the SKB base safe um, for so long, once I started checking it, was the base safe afforded me the, the luxury of putting these two pieces over the outside of a gig bag. So when I got to a city, I could peel those two pieces away, leave them in the hotel room and have this nice, <coughs> whoa, cough is still here, have this nice, um, flexible, mobile situation of just the gig bag to walk from the hotel to the gig and vice versa. So I was a little apprehensive with the with the Groove Gear capsule because it's bigger it's bulkier it's more of a flight case it's it's more sturdy and there's no uh, option to put a gig bag inside that but with the kind of skateboard style wheels and the handle to pull it, it it actually is is very very easy going to and from the gig and just walking through you know walking through towns like prague or milan or wherever the hell you happen to be very easy as long as there are sidewalks um paved uh, walkways shall we say you're all good to go wouldn't like to drag it through the dirt anywhere but uh, yeah, that's been super easy. Tons of space for strings and tools and sheet music if you need it. Uh, even, you know, if I'm only using NHX Stomp, that fits in the front pocket very easily. Um, I, I've yet to do like a bunch of one-off fly dates, like weekend kind of things, or maybe you go somewhere, play two nights and fly back. Um, I don't do that too often, but I'm sure I will. And, and the thing with the, with the Groove Gear uh, capsule is, you can actually pack clothes in the front of that, and it could be your only bag. If you were traveling super light with gear, one cable, maybe an HX stomp, spare set of strings, and your tools that you need to adjust the base, and then three, you can fit three or four sets of clothes in the front of that and just check the whole thing. Of course, you roll the dice on the base and all the clothes, everything being in the same place, and they're not showing up. That's becoming more of an issue or rather is more of an issue right now in the current climate of airlines and airports and infrastructure not um, efficiently rehiring enough staff to deal with luggage um, so there's a lot of either lack of staff or untrained staff and i'm seeing and, and hearing about nightmare stories in europe 
of just mountains of luggage. So, uh, yeah, I um, kind of highly recommend getting some kind of tracker, which reminds me, shit, didn't do that. Got to make a note. I need to get some Apple AirTags or whatever your favored uh, method is. I'm literally writing that under my tour prep list right now. AirTags, great. Um, so, yeah, to, to kind of track it and at least know where it is. And um, if it is stuck in a mountain of luggage, you can kind of peel some bags away and get to it potentially. So, yeah, that's th- those are the th- those are the parameters Um I see myself when I'm traveling with the base. I know people are going to say, well, what if you do? I, I've had the question like, man, do you really only travel with one base? Absolutely. If it's anything other than like a big tour where I really like musically need to change base, you know, I might need two or three bases on a tour. That's kind of a pop thing, more of a commercial thing, a freelance, sideman, sidewoman kind of gig. Um, so... Yeah, on those tours, you generally have a roadie, you have maybe rocket cargo to fly the stuff out there, a tour bus, a semi to put that stuff in, big flight cases, all of which I have still. I'm really not quite sure why. I might try to start selling those bad boys. Um, But yeah, I do travel with, quote unquote, just one base. Um, Also, the instrument is so replaceable. It's not um, not to diminish the quality of build, um, the F base have have done in this new base. It is phenomenal. Um, I really haven't been in, had the time to talk about it that much, but I'm getting used to it. I'm only like ten days into playing the instrument. It's incredible. But as an instrument, um, the bass is quite replaceable, um, especially as you know some of the things I'm doing now are more kind of ambient. And it also, it's just a nice challenge to be able to play all of my stuff on a completely strange bass if I have to. You know, if that's a, a borrowed bass, you know, maybe there's a fan or a friend or something that, oh, man, yeah, I've got a bunch of basses. Pick one and you pick a totally random bass and then try and go and do your thing. It's a huge challenge. Um, nice experiment. Or maybe it's a rental and you just go into like John Henry's in London or something or SIR in the US and you're picking out a nice P bass and doing the whole gig with that. Those are those are kind of the... The, the the backup options if the base doesn't make it but now i'm i split everything up so i have a better chance of things making it um i will say another little thing i, I try and do is take at least one set of clothes in my backpack um you know just in case there there is like a day long delay if a bag gets not lost but delayed it can often be 24 hours later that it's showing up if you if <laughs> if you're lucky um so you know i always you know if i have a show the first day which i do when i arrive in london i always try and make sure i have one change of clothes in the carry-on um and the carry-on is a little oakley backpack super compact great compartments Uh, i forget which one exactly it is i'm sure i'll do a complete tour gear list and run down at some point maybe in a video and just list all of that stuff in the youtube uh you know in the video description so hold tight for that but it's a nice oakley bag i gotta say i remember it not being cheap i remember it being like something like 200 dollars or more for a freaking little backpack but i bought that in 2017 and five years later you look at it and you think did you just get that it looks brand new and it's been trashed it has been absolutely hammered around the world and on planes so it was well worth it i think in general it's well worth spending what you think at the time could be an absurd amount of money on luggage but when you look back and you're like oh yeah i bought the 50 dollar samsonite 
suitcase and I've had to replace it every four months since I bought it. Three years later, you've spent way more than you would have done on a nice piece of luggage. So I, as, as tough as it might be at the time, I always try and err on the side of, you know what, spending the money is really worth it if that's what you do again context ask yourself how much you're going to use it if you really are going to use it like crazy amount like i do it's worth having the the nice oakley bag it's not worth having the the pelican case for instance we'll get to that next pedals you know my pelican 1510 i have a couple of them now i needed two to take all the pedals to spain to do the new album um new album all of which will be out this week by the way the COVID thing and everything, it did delayed the whole concept of releasing four three-song EPs to finally have the album out this week. So, you know, the second half of the album plus the front end all going to be released this week before I get uh, get to Europe. So I'll, I'm, no doubt there'll be another episode out and uh, I'll make an announcement when it's actually up and available on the website. I haven't talked about this either. Sorry, quick diversion, but um, I ditched my band camp completely. And all of my albums, as they were available on Bandcamp to buy and download, they're actually on my website now. So the whole discography is available um, to download, actually buy music, that old school thing of, uh, of music potentially having some value again. So everything from Mystery to Me all the way through to uh, The Union and, of course, the first two parts of One Way Out. And finally this week, the, the entire discography um, will be there. Uh, available for purchase and maybe I'll do some specials, some bundles or something. I don't know. We'll, 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 you know, I know there are people out there who like to have the music, who like to like self-custody the music. So that's why it's up there. Um, kind of cutting out the band camp middle person thing and not paying 15% or <laughs> commission or something to them for something I can essentially do myself. So that's a little aside on that. And yeah, back to the gear thing. Um, I would say the next biggest thing for me is the pedals. And it, it may sound counterintuitive, like pedals, you think, oh, Christ, that could be kind of heavy, cumbersome, bulky. It's um, something, if you have a good case, you might not want to mess with in the airport. Like if carrying a bass through the airport is a drag, man, imagine what it's like with pedals. So I've had to, I've struggled with this <laughs> conceptually for a while, but I found the solution in the Pelican 1510, the carry-on, it has, um, you know, the, the little telescopic handle that comes out and is very comfortable to hold and it has wheels so dragging it through the airport is really not that much of a of a downer considering they're always with you and i think for me and what i'm doing having the pedals with me is way more important than whether the bass makes it or not. As long as the bass makes it like 60, 70, 80% of the time, maybe when I'm checking it, um, I'm good to go. I can borrow a bass and come really close to delivering the show I want to and, be, and being very comfortable on stage. If the pedals don't make it, that's I'm, I'm really kind of stuck um, with what I want to do with this tour, for instance. I mean, I can go and play any gig without pedals, of course, but for the things I hear and what I want to present as a show, I'd be really stuck trying to put that kind of pedal board together day of a show in, I don't know, Helsinki or Monaco, or any, actually any of the places we're going. I, you, you guys know probably by now I play some very specific things and some kind of rarish pedals. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I've actually... I think we're going to find out later today when I when I try and build this board. I think I've actually got everything I need 
onto a small pedal board which will go in the 1510. For the last few weeks, I'd kind of resigned myself to the fact I was going back to separate pedals and plugging it all in and powering it all up every night and setting it out in a semicircle because I just needed so many pedals and they wouldn't fit on the small pedal board in the Pelican case. And the upshot of it all is I just couldn't get stereo rigs, stereo bass rigs in every city to be consistent on the tour. Uh, so with that in mind, it was like, oh, well, that kind of wipes out a bunch of stuff. What wiped out about four or five pedals that, that I then wasn't going to use. I down downgraded. I, I you know, uh, uh, downsize, shall we say, from the HX Stomp XL to the HX Stomp. Um, figured out some things there to where I can get access to all the sounds I need. I threw the BP-1 under the riser, and I also th- have thrown the H9, the Eventide H9, under the riser, and I plan on controlling it either with my phone or with the iPad just for a quick on-off and the and the mix. So I'm, I'm t- also taking out an expression pedal as well. I don't need that for the H9. I've always tried to steer clear of the whole desktop thing and having a bunch of shit on a table in front of me. Um, so it's, I'm kind of cringing at the fact that I have one thing, um, up for my, you know, up on a music stand, kind of a chest level or whatever when I'm sitting down. Um, but we'll see the fact that it's allowed me to hide the H9 under the riser, take out an expression pedal and get this whole thing. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve 12, pedals and all the power for them on this small vertex effects. They're like smallest tour riser uh, pedal board and then i'll have two things off the board the ranger fx snare trap and the and a volume pedal and both of those fit really nicely in the case just sitting on top of the of the pedal board so i think i've, I've measured it all out it looks like it all fits i just have to put it together and wire it and see if i can make all the cables fit so we'll see there will be a build video of that and um and a much more in-depth explanation of the signal chain and, and how I'm using it all. And of course, after the tour, there'll be uh, footage and clips of me uh, actually using it in um, IRL, as the kids say, in real life. <coughs> so yeah, that's so that's the bass. That's the bass and the pedals. Um, and then, well, going back to Bass Monk's question about jet lag and melatonin diet, exercise, partying. <laughs> you confuse me with someone 20 years younger. There's no partying. Uh, there's, and sleeping, he asked about, or she, Bass Monk could, well, could be either way, right? Um, sleeping. There's as much sleep as I possibly can. And hey, I'm a new dad. My daughter is just over 10 months old. Um, and yeah, I've had no sleep for uh, just over 10 months, let's say. So um, even with some 4 a.m. lobby calls, uh, at least I'm going to be able to get to bed and know that nobody's waking me up right in the middle of my sleep. So sleep is actually going to be in far more plentiful supply on this tour than it ever has been. I really never thought I'd say, damn, I need to go on the road uh, in order to get some sleep because the road was always the place that was that sleep got super messed up and was very challenging to facilitate. So now that is with a, with a with a with a kid that's very different. And I yeah, I don't party. Like I barely drink alcohol as it is, you know, at home I'll take, you know, two months of of having zero alcohol for instance and maybe a glass of wine here and there. My sister has been in town and and we had some Mexican food and I had a margarita or two. But that's like, that's it. It's not, there's no partying. I don't do any drugs whatsoever. I don't stay out until five o'clock in the morning and go straight to the airport. Like those are things 
for people far more youthful with uh, with a lot more brain cells left to burn and a much stronger kidney. Um, in fact, I do a lot of work at home on myself, physically speaking, and you know, diet-wise and hydration. Like hydration is huge. That's one thing that wasn't in Base Mark's question, which I think is a big is a big one. Like you really speaking of which, my throat is getting dry and it's always liquid time. So hydration is so huge, especially on the road, especially flying a lot. And you're in these like um, recycled air situations and you throat and nasal cavity, everything gets dried out really quickly. So um, a lot of water, obviously. Uh, I use a thing called drip drop. It's like um, electrolyte and, uh, you know, it's like a powder that you mix with uh, mix with water. And it's there is some... Like it's it's something I use when I'm exercising a lot because there is a little bit of sugar in there. And if I was just sitting here having a very sedentary lifestyle, if all I did was sit in this chair and practice or record podcasts or videos on YouTube, it would be a big problem. Um, but the fact that I am active and I burn a lot of calories throughout the day, I always go on a walk with the dog. I go on a walk with my daughter. I always work out. I hit the, the stationary bike for at least 30 minutes a day and then do some kind of workout after that, whether that be lifting weights, kind of functional strength, jump rope. I'm, I'm very active. And of course, when my schedule gets a little less hectic, I'll be back into playing tennis again, which is burning a lot of calories every day. So I spend a lot of time working on that at home. So as long as the touring side of things is not super long, which this year there are lots of smaller projects, like the longest thing I have was with Bob for three weeks. So that That'll be the first time I might start to feel it by the end of the tour if I don't maintain that on the road. But for next week, I've done enough work that I can get through next week just by going to bed after the show and, you know, not not drinking and eating well and, and all the rest of it. I don't take any supplements like melatonin to help me sleep. Um, the one thing I've taken in the past, don't have any right now. I'm not even sure I'm going to get any for the road, but... I get so heavily affected by like a Tylenol or an ibuprofen. I could literally take half a Tylenol PM on the plane and be completely dead to the world within 20 minutes. Like so normally I get on the plane. It's a night flight from the west coast of America to Europe. Get on the plane, have the meal, um, take a half a Tylenol PM and wake up in Europe. Um, That's the next thing I'm conscious of. So... But also half the time I can just fall asleep and kind of eradicate the jet lag right away. The, the, the key is to make sure you, when you're going west to east, sleep on the plane and then you arrive sometime in the morning, sometime before 12, 12 and earlier normally on the routes I take to either London, Paris, Amsterdam, Munich, Frankfurt, uh, like those are the popular ones, maybe Copenhagen, like LA to European destinations. You're normally arriving sometime before noon, like mid-morning, 10.30, something like that. As long as you stay up until a decent time that first day, 9.30, 10, 10.30, something like that, you, I'm, I, I at least am pretty good to go um, because I'm so tired at that point, even if I have slept a little bit on the plane. Um, I'm so tired at that point. I'm, you know, ready to really turn on the sleep, uh, turn on the turn on the sleep, and just just pass out and get a really good night's um, sleep that first night when I'm going somewhere. East to west is different. There are so many different uh, ways to look at it, but that's what's on my radar right now. So that's um, that's how I'm dealing with it. Um, let's see. 
good question from Myron Carroll in my Telegram channel who asks, have you found that having airline status has helped your checked bags arrive when you do? Yes and no. Um, there's definitely uh, the added advantage that when you check in at the premium check-in counter, if you're flying business class, which I generally do, um, like almost 100% of the time, when they do check your bags, they put a little orange, with Star Alliance and United, they put a little orange priority tag. So your bags do get treated a little bit differently with with the top level status. If you have at least gold status with uh, Star Alliance, you'll get those orange tags. It it does help. Um, I won't say it's like a, a solution or that 100% of the time my stuff shows up because <clears throat> even looking at the last trip I took, it was so important time-wise, you know, like critical that nothing got lost or delayed. And I showed up in Barcelona from LA and half my stuff was missing. Um, now, I, I think more than the bags showing up on time, what having the status does for you I, I, and has done for me in the past, especially just now a few months ago in Spain, was that when I went to the um, lost baggage counter for Star Alliance, and they made them aware of my status. Instead of them like taking 24 to 48 hours to try and get my bag back to me, they put like a special priority rush on it and drove it, you know, one guy in a van with my one bag that got lost an hour outside of the city as soon as it arrived on the next arriving flight. And if you're flying a, a popular route, if you're flying like an LA to London or you know LA to Barcelona like I was, those there are several flights a day. It's not like there's one flight a week. So the chances are, most of the time, it's arriving just on a later flight, a few hours later. You generally don't have the time to just sit there at the airport for three hours because you've got to go to soundcheck or you have press or interviews or it's just stuff. I had to go to the studio and start making a record, for instance, um, on this past trip. So yeah, having the status does get you bumped up the line in terms of them getting your stuff back to you a little quicker. And and that was, you know, we, we had a great example of that with Nico. Had the same thing happened. They lost his clothes, got delayed, didn't make it on the flight, coming on a later flight with Air France. And he didn't have any status with the airline. And they told him, yeah, uh, it's Thursday and we're probably going to get you a bag maybe by Sunday. Of course, we were leaving on Sunday, so it's useless. So luckily I had someone else in the crew who was arriving. I think I've told this story before and he managed to go to the Air France counter, pick the bag up and bring it to the studio. So Nico got super lucky. But had my friend not been arriving later, Nico wouldn't have seen his bags all weekend and would have had to go on clothes shopping. And there are other things. Airlines, if they really lose your bags and you're not getting the bag for a few days, they'll give you a stipend, maybe a couple of hundred euros or something, and you can go and essentially buy a new wardrobe. Um and then, you know, let's get back to the main topic of how do you choose what to take on the road. That's not just pedals and bases. That's a, a ton of different stuff. That's your clothing. That's um, – do you take like a, a water bottle, for instance? Like I always do. I have a big – is it 64? It's 1.3 liters. I can't remember how many ounces that is. Uh, it's a bottle by Yeti. Not a sponsor of this podcast. Wish they were because their bottles are super fucking expensive. But they're really good. I take one of those suckers with me. Um, it's kind of bulky, as you can imagine. 1.3 liters in a fully insulated bottle is a hefty kind of major hiking or camping bottle. But the discipline uh, I, I am able to have with staying hydrated with that thing is huge. So it's bulky and cumbersome, but it really pays off health-wise over the course of a tour or any traveling I'm doing. So that's a necessity. 
you know, I'm always traveling with some, you know, some uh, like extra strength Tylenol, some Robitussin in daytime and nighttime, because any first signs of any kind of cold or flu, and of course now we're we're in an era of a, of a pandemic and COVID and all these other things, but prior to that, if there was ever any sign of like, oh shit, I'm getting sick, and it would rarely happen. I got to say, um, a lot of those things I took with me in my toiletries bag for health reasons would expire before I got to use them most of the time. But the couple of times, oh, excuse me, the couple of times in the last few years that I did have to use them, they were lifesavers. Because if you live in Europe, for instance, you know that you can't get anything with any kind of um, active ingredient over the counter. It's all this homeopathic utter bullshit, you know. You might as well just eat a fucking apple or something. They're not going to give you something with some balls that will shut um, shut a, 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 a sickness down like, like a Robitussin. I mean, not that I agree with that. It can be quite healthy, and that's probably why there's a massive opioid um, issue and people are addicted to pills in this country. But holy shit, used in the right way, that stuff can be a lifesaver on the road in terms of actually feeling like you want to go on stage and make music. So it's it's... It's one lane. It's not for everyone. I know people listening all over the world. That is not applicable for you. But if you're in the U.S. and you're traveling um, overseas to other countries that do not have over-the-counter stuff like Robitussin or Tylenol or ibuprofen, that you have to go to a doctor and get a prescription. And even then, it's like super limited. That's one thing I'm very conscious of packing with me. So I'm kind of covered for all um, for all events and really give myself the best chance of success of making it through a tour. So yeah, I'm. I gotta admit, I'm terrible at the number uh, the number of items of clothing that I take with me. I always take way too much shit, um, and I know coming up, it's going to be on the cusp of the autumn into the winter. And like, how do you plan for that? And you could get really unlucky, and it's just cold and rainy. Or you get unlucky in the opposite direction. You pack all your winter gear and it's like 30 degrees the whole time you're there. Sorry, Celsius, you know, like 85, 90 degrees. There's a freaking heat wave happening. So it's hard to predict. And I I tend to err on the side of too many clothes, which eh, doesn't do me too many favors. So I'm working on other concepts for that. I'm working on potentially going with hand luggage like no big check duffel full of clothes seeing if i can get a hand luggage bag that is capable of carrying like two or three sets of clothes and then seeing if i can buy clothes like say i can put in the budget 150 euros for the week does that buy me you know four or five t-shirts and a couple of pairs of trousers jeans whatever and socks underwear does what's the number and is it worth it for each week to go to H&M or some store that's in every major city that you know they have stuff that's affordable, it's acceptable to wear in public, and you can find your size. Can you build in $150, maybe $200 into the budget every week you're on the road to do that? And if you don't have status with an airline, that's going to save you a bunch of money in check bags. Um, But it also, regardless of your airline status and check baggage uh, fees, could save you a whole bunch of stress worrying about where your bags might be if you're just re-upping every week or you know maybe you're traveling super light and trying to do laundry often i don't know i'm thinking of other ways of moving around the world without a 60 or 70 pound rolling duffel full of crap that's that's the plan right now so we'll see it's not going to be next week next week and next week i only have five shows so i don't have to take a huge amount of stuff 
It'll be a pared down setup for sure. Um, but those are things, even now at this stage in my life, I'm definitely, with, with all this experience and thousands of flights and millions of miles, I'm still trying to work on how can we make this easier. I am not, you know, I'm not, st- I'm not on a private jet. You know, I don't have uh, an entourage or people carrying shit for me or unlimited funds, for instance. I'm definitely... I def- there's there's a, there's a framework here. There are limits to to what I'm able to do. So I want to work most efficiently uh, within them. And yeah, there are <clears throat> there are other elements to it. You know, you've got to think about how you're getting to and from the airport. What is bulky? You know, little things like what size of Uber are you going to need? Are you traveling on your own? How big is your flight case for your base? Does that fit in a regular car? Do you need an Uber XL to get from A to B? You know, uh, little things like does this town or does this country have, you know, the the electric scooters to get around if you need to? Like how much extra uh, curricular activity are you doing in terms of having to go and do interviews or maybe a a clinic or a speaking event or something where you don't have to take all your gear? You know, what's your public transport situation in each city? How well do you know the metro in Paris or the tube in London? You know, like all of these things factor into the tour prep and especially when I'm putting like a tour book together for my band or you know for Bob's tour that I'm tour managing I'll put not an overload of information but definitely uh good information you know when I know we're in a place on a day off for a day and a half like I'm gonna put well this is the metro and this is how much a day ticket costs and this is what it is in that language of that country this is what it looks like when you see it you know written on a sign or you know anything that helps out um, the cats on the road to have a better, you know, more efficient, streamlined tour and have options as well. You know, I, I, I'm not the stay in the hotel the whole day and not see where I'm going. I love to get out and roam around, dump the bags, go for a walk is normally the first thing, especially in a new city. That happens a little less often now, obviously after so many years, so many years, but in, in that case, when I know a place really well, then there are places I want to go back to. So generally, I'm out of the hotel as quickly as possible when I arrive somewhere. And the more prepared for that, I can be the better. Um, so yeah, and now I'm looking around this. God, it is kind of freaking endless, I got to say, the little details. Because I'm kind of looking at my shelves here thinking, oh yeah, well, there's the whole thing that I don't miss a show with the GoPro. So there's that. And I got to make sure I got um, adapters. That's always the classic one. Show up in Europe and you're like, oh shit, I forgot my adapters. And then they they want to charge you like $40 a pop at the airport. You get ripped off. Oh, more liquid. So yeah, all those little things. I guess <laughs> the biggest thing is a checklist, you know, and, and a, a checklist that's kind of rolling. Like I have just a document that I open, which is a generic kind of general touring thing. And I'll add things and subtract things from it, depending on the tour I'm doing. But there are some, you know, absolute essentials that I'm like, oh yeah, can't live without that. Noise cancelling headphones. Um, You know, I have the AirPods, which are great, but then you get on the plane and if you want to watch the movie, everything is with a cable. So I got to take the Sony's with me that have a cable, they're actually wireless, but they do have the cable option if I want a comfortable, silent, nice experience to, to watch a movie on the plane. So all of those little things and sunglasses, contact lens, it's just, <laughs> it is never ending. And it, I'll take pictures, there's going to be some video, I'm sure, because I want you to see how 
how much shit I've just talked about for the last 35 minutes, but actually how compact it all ends up being and how when I hit the ground, when I get out of the airport at the other end, I can move. Like I'm not dependent on help, you know, with uh, the, the, the base thing, the groove gear, the capsule kind of changed stuff a little bit uh, because then that was something I was pulling behind me on wheels. So I've, I've got the Pelican, I've got my duffel bag with the clothes and stuff in it, and I've got the groove gear capsule. Three things that need pulling on wheels, plus my little locally backpack that's fine on the back. So I've got this big kind of carabiner clip thing which goes on the back of my rolling duffel and clip and the handle of the uh, Pelican. 1510 clips to that so they kind of one rides on the back of the other and i can pull both of them with one hand and it's super efficient moving through the airport or walking anywhere so i'm moving around with quite a lot of stuff but it's packed very compactly and it's very mobile so uh yeah i'll bring you i'll bring you photos of that there will be links in the show notes of this episode of the rig build of a bunch of things in the not-too-distant future, within the next two weeks. So if you're listening day one, they're not going to be there now, but I will add them to the show notes. So when I've put all of this into motion and have torn around Europe and uh, flown all over the place and taken ferries and planes and cars and vans and all kinds of stuff, I'll be able to show you how it all how it all worked. Um, if you have more questions, the Telegram channel, which is linked in the show notes, is a great place to drop them. If you, uh, I'll also link to that latest YouTube video I made yesterday talking about the things no one tells you about touring, the road's dirty little secrets. What a, what a clickbait title that is. Jesus Christ. Here I am. This is what it's come to. <coughs> I did get questions about, will I have the CD on sale at the gig? No, I'll never have probably CDs again, I, I guess. Maybe vinyl will be next, but it's a bitch to travel around the world with and CDs like, it's a it's a souvenir at the end of the day. I don't I think maybe I have a CD player here, but I wouldn't know where it was. It'd take me forever. I don't even have one in my car anymore. The car's so new. It's like now nah, we don't. We're not putting CD players in anymore. So yeah, um, yes, twenty second of August, London Pizza Express. Just a few tickets left on that one. Manchester Stoller Hall, August twenty third. Definitely got to move some tickets. Don't forget Liverpool, Hull, Nottingham, Doncaster, Leeds. You are not that far away. I did like the circle around the venue, like to 60 miles or so. I was like, 60 miles, it's just an hour, right? If you're driving or maybe there's a train in it. I know there are trains in and out, Liverpool to Manchester. Not that expensive. It's very efficient. The gig is not late, 7.30. So you'll be more than enough time to get back on public transport if you want to. And if you're into seeing the sound check and, and having this um, this open session, this Q&A with us, we are selling this VIP ticket. It's a little bit more expensive, but if you are a student of any kind, use the code VIP25 and you can get the more expensive ticket with the open sound check and the Q&A for the same price as a regular concert ticket gets you uh, about 15 pounds off the price which is uh, which is awesome so don't forget that that is directly at the Stoller Hall website use VIP 25 and uh, Helsinki again tickets are only available through my website so go to yannickwisdala.com click on concert tickets in the store they are $25 there is no physical ticket um, I've had people emailing me saying, hey, are you going to send a ticket? Was there some kind of mistake? No. Read the product description. It's all there. Um, 
you purchase the ticket. I have a list here of everyone who purchased tickets. There'll be a guest list style thing on the day. You just show up, show your ID, boom, check you off and you're in. There is no physical ticket. I am the promoter, the booking agent, the ticket seller, uh, the coat check guy, I'm sure. <laughs> like I'm doing everything on this one. This one's the quote-unquote big risk gig where I'm facilitating everything with no middle people at all. Um, except Marco in, in, in Helsinki has been very kind um, setting up the space and uh, making it available. But everything else I'm doing, so those tickets are directly at my website. And I mean, I guess you can buy them on the day, but you will be standing there going to my website and making the purchase. There will be no like there'll be no uh, ticket office or will call or anything like that at the venue. You will have to go on your phone, go to my website, make the same purchase that you can make right now. Um, and yeah, that's it. That's it. The tour is starting in six days. Holy shit. It's close. So now I got to go practice. I must not forget to know my own music and um, get a better idea of where I want to start. I want some. I want a few starting points, uh, sonic starting points for us to build upon um, with the band. And I'm trying not to listen to the new album at all. I don't want that to influence it so much. I know what happened. I was there. I remember some things. The important things I'll remember and we'll play live. And then I want the stuff to be as new as possible. So if you're coming... Uh, that's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear some repertoire, yeah, some stuff from my catalog, some songs, maybe even some favorites, and uh, and you're going to hear a lot of new stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm psyched. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure I will talk to you guys again this week before I leave, and uh, maybe we'll get into the pedals once this board is built later today. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for sticking around. See you cats on the next one. Mm-hmm.